Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking about the fantastic anthology series, Accused. We are joined today by Marley Matlin, who is the director of episode two, Ava's Story, Wendell Pierce, who appears in uh, episode four, Kendall's Story, and Mary Lynn Rice Cub, who appears in the episode seven, Brenda's Story. And Marley, starting with you um, and talking about directing your episode, I feel like you always descri have described yourself as a, an incredibly visual person, in particular in the way that you always love to watch everything that's going on on set around you. Um, and given that this was your first time directing and stepping behind the camera, I was interested in, in how that, that visual sensibility really transferred over into the way that you were thinking about the way that you wanted to tell this story on screen and how you wanted to use the camera, how you wanted to use specific angles and how that all came together for you. Well, speaking as a first-time director, I had a lot to do, had a lot to learn, and a lot to embrace, to digest before I, I mean, before and actually, and then after shooting. The fact that um, being such a visual person, I've always been such a visual person, knowing that whatever was setting that I was in, whatever I, where I was, my responsibility as a director was to direct, was to be able to make sure that my vision was loud and clear when it came to the script, when it came to each and every person on the set and off the set as well. So it really helped that I, I mean, how could I say it? It was a little crazy on my part, but I did three drafts of my shot list before I even went to Toronto before I even knew what it was going to look like. And it was just, you know, getting my mind going in a place where I can be creative. And it was almost like improvisation for me, if you want to put it that way. I'm glad I did because naturally the shot list uh, just went out the window. Uh, <laughs> by that, I mean, I didn't have a list when I came to the set. I mean, I looked at it initially before I went to the set, but when I got to work, I left it behind. And I remember watching and looking and using my visual sense of how to create whatever scene I wanted to create. And working as a director, really, I mean, I think you don't have to be hearing to direct. Anybody can direct, that person can direct. You just have to have a creative mind to be able to paint, if you want to put it that way, and put together the set you want to do. And it was a really fun experience for me. I did. And my journey was just amazing, just to the point where I was really proud of being part of Accused and so grateful for Howard Gordon for giving me the opportunity, putting faith in me, as well as Sony. And I mean, Miley Milloy's script was just amazing. Everyone working together was great. I love that. And and Wendell, and coming over to you, in your episode, you're you're playing a detective. And given that we only get to see him in that episode in terms of his professional life, and there's so many instances where there's parts of himself that he isn't able to express and, and things that he knows to be true, but he can't necessarily say out loud in certain moments. I was interested in how you approached finding the aspects of himself, which would be at the foreground of a character in the fact that you're playing him in that particular setting and we're seeing him in that specific environment of his profession. Well, in the development of any character, you always want to uh, try to explore what um, his complete uh, being and humanity is about. And uh, 
in particular, this uh, story, in Kendall's story, uh, being a detective who is uh, investigating a man who he obviously has a great love for his family and his uh, daughter who has been assaulted um, and understanding that love, uh, I, I created that family for myself. Uh, uh, it's something that is not in the script, but every actor develops the, the totality of a character so that I can have an appreciation for what he's going through. Um, a detective uh, is just like a, a, an actor. He's a student of human behavior. And uh, I wanted to make sure that I was understanding what Kendall was going through and understand the choices that he might or might uh, might take, uh, whether they be good or bad. It's, it's uh, approaching it like a student of human behavior. And so as an actor, I created the fullness of the character and gave myself a family and put myself in his shoes so that I can find the empathy of that. You combine that with just the professional relationships that we had on the set. I've worked with Malcolm Jamal Warner several times. Uh, I worked with Clark Johnson, our director several times. So we're very close. So we have a friendship and they have worked together also. So when you have a friendship and you know that a friend may compromise his moral compass, how do you walk that line? whether you are empathetic uh, or you choose to push them away. And I think that gave me um, a dilemma, a conflict as the detective uh, that was on par and similar to what Malcolm Jamal Warner's character Kendall was going through. Uh, so that made it so rich. And the thing I love about McHugh's is the fact that it is an anthology um, uh, series. Uh, I watch it as a fan. Uh, after I've seen my episode, I've watched all the episodes, and it's really great to see these many movies being made every week, right, uh, that I really appreciate it. So um, all of that came into play in developing the character. Those are such great details. And, and Mary Lynn, in, in coming over to you, um, you know, you're playing a character who very much is, is seeing herself as a protector and an advocate for Whitney Cummings' character, Brenda, at the center of the episode. And yet it very much feels like a space where she's actually very much trying to become a protector of herself and her younger self in a way that she wasn't able to be when she had her own experience with sexual assault as a teenager. And so I was interested in how you kind of dug into a lot of aspects of her past and, and the trauma and not having had the opportunity to deal with that experience at the time because of how everybody just quietened things down around her um, as you were developing this character. It, I love the way you describe that as, as she's, she's trying to protect Whitney's character and then it, it's revealed that she's trying to protect her own. Um, and, and, and I think that is such a great way to describe it, but coming at it from the inside out, it, it was more, she's a lot more reactionary, but she's also kind of a, a controlled, a, a bit pathological person. Um, so weirdly, yes, she was trying to protect Whitney. I, and I don't think that she's so conscious of the self protection that she's done. And, and in a way, part of what she needed to do, you know, because there's a conversation where Whitney's prodding her to like, well, if gently, because they're, they're with each other and they have that solidarity with each other, which tests probably to a fault 
you know, gets Whitney in this little bubble and pushes everybody out. That's part of the, uh, you know, these lines that are blurred in this show where you, where you're watching it going like, uh Oh, like probably not a good idea to, you know, they're creating like a little two person cult and doing this trauma bonding. And it, and it's like that line of tests, my character, she does need to talk about her past. Obviously she did need to process it because she acted out, but it's like sort of watching her own denial of that and then her willingness with Whitney to be able to, for the first time, maybe one of the first times she's ever admitted that she has been assaulted, you know, but with Whitney's friend, her best friend that, that this new person, me is pushing away the, uh, the prism, the layers of this character, because then, then I say to him, well, you wouldn't understand. You know, meanwhile, I'm in denial about my own experience and I'm, there's so many weird layers to it because Whitney says to me, you know, well, you can go after people online. And I say, yeah, well, that's not real life. And then you have this character, my character who ends up acting out in a very uh, irresponsible way. So a lot of my approach was finding where she was at to, you know, react um, and, and she assaulted him and she, she violated and physically harmed, you know, so it's just perpetuating this. It, it was, you know, I hate to admit it, but a lot of my re- approach was having this visceral, uh, I hate to use the word revenge, but is she trying to protect Whitney? Yes. But she's also attacking the attacker you know and that's uh these lines that this show explores so beautifully because you're watching it going like I get it I want him to get his you know so for me it was like finding that point in her where she's willing to to take it there and she's not thinking of the repercussions she's only thinking of she wants it to stop and, and it becomes irrational doing that. Absolutely. And, and Marley, in, in coming back to your episode, one of the things that I love about the visual storytelling and your directing style is how often you bring us into the central perspective of Ava, who's the main character. And there's a lot of intimacy with the camera work or even moments where you very specifically have the rest of the dialogue and the sound drowned out so that we see her perspective of being in the courtroom without any interpreters and people speaking to her or the moment in the birthing scene. Um, And so how did you set about making sure that there were always these moments where it's very much the story from her perspective, as well as moments where we kind of need to go pull out a little bit and see the whole perspective of every character. That's exactly what I tried to do. I wanted to be able to have the audience have both the best of both worlds, if you want to put it that way in the episode, to be able to see the deaf perspective, obviously, meaning because, I mean, we can't hear clearly when it comes to everything that's going on around us without the benefit of access so you know for example in the hospital scene there was no interpreter available and so we wanted to or i wanted to to portray her point of view so that the audience could understand how what ava is going through at that particular moment then to be able to create the noises that you as hearing people can hear to bring the both worlds together i wanted the entire audience to be able to identify with each and every level that takes place in this episode and also, I mean, there's there's a lot of information that's that's in this 
in this episode that I wanted to touch on that had to do with communication and the lack of, you know, the communication deprivation, the journey of Ava as she grew up and why she had to fight so hard on behalf of the baby that she birthed as a surrogate, why she felt the, nece the, the necessity to kidnap the baby because it was based on her own experiences and reacting on those. There's so many things that I wanted to touch on that showed both perspectives. And I was very, I mean, I can say, as I mentioned, one of my, you know, one of my shot lists had a scene where uh, it started the scene with the courtroom and Ava is being asked to testify. And I wanted to focus on the hands, the hands themselves, because of the fact that we can't hear her emotions, but I wanted the audience to be able to see the emotions as she told the story with her hands in her face, to be able to focus on the hands, to look at the perspective, and then use the hands to then pan up to the audience or the, the courtroom audience. Be able to, I mean, I think I wanted to display that opportunity to show both worlds. So that was one technique that I used. And, and Wendell, and coming back to your character as well, um, there's elements of, of previous guilt at play for him. And, and he talks a little bit about mm -hmm having felt like a bystander in a previous case where a white cop that he worked with killed a young black man. Um, and I was interested in, in how that really impacted and affected some of the moments in, in scenes for you, particularly in this journey where he starts to see the possibility that if he doesn't step in and he doesn't do things, that this case could go in a direction that it shouldn't, um, you know, even though he's he's kind of like watching someone go through court motions and, and kind of very much the law is against him and he's got friends testifying against him but he sees that there's an opportunity to potentially draw outside of the lines without us ever knowing if he's fully going to or not after the episode yeah that was the great thing about playing the role um with all of these stories is it, there's the moral ambiguity that is so much a part of life where we have to examine what's our contribution to this dysfunctional paradigm right and that's the the, the, the profound question that he has, an African-American officer who understands that there's tensions between law enforcement and his community. Uh, most, in research that I've done in the past, most uh, African-American police officers become police because uh, the crime that disproportionately is affecting their community does not reflect the 99% of the people who are in the community. And they actually want to uh, become law enforcement to, for them to make sure that they are protected, uh, to eliminate that 1% that is causing um, most of uh, the hardship in communities of hardworking, uh, law-abiding people. And in doing that, you have a fervent belief in meritocracy. And my character believed in that meritocracy so much that he would fall in line with the system that he's in, the law enforcement system that he's in. And it's because of that belief that he was rigid in his choice of not speaking out when he saw someone go outside the lines. Uh, he felt an obligation to the system. And therefore, this young Black man is killed and he doesn't step up. And there's a guilt that weighs on him about his inaction that his fear of losing the very thing that he worked so hard to attain his, this life of being a police officer could be lost. And that's the history that he comes to this case where he sees a man whose daughter has been assaulted 
who then takes out uh, uh, vengeance. And, but understanding that that's a real impulse to want to get vengeance. But understanding also that we have to try to live within some sort of structure and that he was pulled by his friends to actually make a wrong choice. But that ambiguity is such that he understands and is empathetic for Kendo and says, I will work to try to make this right and redeem it. And that is all wonderful stuff to play. Just wonderful stuff to play in so many different ways to be the hard nosed investigative police officer or to be the empathetic uh, public servant who understands a man whose daughter has been assaulted and try to help him. Mm. And that variance is what gives an actor an opportunity to play. And I think that um, uh, that's exactly where the, the, the conflict and the, the drama of our episode uh, was laying and uh, we took full advantage of that. That's really great. And, and Mary Lynn, I wanted to ask you about filming the scene where your character confronts Zeke, who is Brenda's attacker, because I think there's a lot of different levels and spaces to which you could play a scene like that. And it's a very complex scene, you know, with everything that you were talking about in terms of your character before that's at the foreground and even just the way that she kind of quietly approaches without him realizing that she's there. The fact that it's very premeditated and we see that and then what emotional space she's in when she actually carries through this action that she's clearly been thinking about for a while um, and so I was interested in how you found the different emotional calibrations and, and levels to which you wanted to play a scene like that. Yeah and I was really relating to what Wendell was saying about um, the the meritocracy and you know the way things should be and uh, you know in a, from a very different vantage point from the character that I played um, but then also the the wonderful opportunity that obviously I, I can't act out what my character did in real life. Um, but again, going back to, you know, the, the place where I'm at in certain amount of the characters at with certain amounts of denial and the premeditation, but then she's doing something that's crazy. And, you know, it just really speaks to the human experience and that there's not, there's not always a direct, like this happened and then I reacted that way. You know, maybe <laughs> someday, some days we're gonna be like, I'm angry about this, therefore this. But like just how delicate that is, even in situations that aren't as loaded and, and abusive and, and, and violent, you know, in our everyday interactions, so many times we're not, we don't catch ourselves and go, oh, I'm reacting to this thing that happened before, or I'm reacting to my expectation, or I'm, or I'm reacting up how I think, think things should be. And so then when you get these situations that are wrong on so many levels, it just becomes this like powder keg of like humans that are uh, bottled up and, and, and they're not able to get, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking about my character trying to support this woman who was assaulted, who people didn't believe her. And, um, the fact that she was a raunchy comedian, so she's not allowed to have a voice of being abused. And, and you know, these are real things that we, that this show is like so beautifully depicting and kind of forcing you to look at all the different angles of this because we, 
we see this stuff every day. There's, there's not a straight line to your abuse often. There's, there's not a direct, you know, oh, why didn't she speak up sooner? Well, this, this episode is showing she spoke up and she got shot down. And then here you have her supporter and it's like, ah, but she did the wrong thing because she didn't know how to fight the system. She didn't know how to get her voice heard. Um, and now I'm kind of like veering off the actual question, which was just the choice to play her the way that I did. Um, but she, you know, she's not a hysterical person and, and that's part of the sadness too. She, she didn't want to do that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see her again, getting into physical altercations. Um, and that typically is not a woman's experience, right? It's this like self-sabotaging violence that's happening on the inside and then comes out in this moment where she was calculated. And she, I stood there and watched as I poured gasoline on him and, and through the match, they cut back to me just standing there watching it. It's and then, and it, then it almost becomes like the observed and the observer. It's almost like I was watching myself going, Whoa, I just did this, you know? And I, I wonder if there's again, that moment with humans where you've left your body and you're acting in a way, and now the train's off the tracks and you can't stop yourself. So it really cut, you know, this, this, all these episodes bring up so many conversations of just all these different rings and layers of how we treat each other, how our society is formed and like why things get to this point where we act out. Absolutely. And, and for all three of you, you know, one of the things that's so impressive about every single episode is the way that there's such incredible world building, story building and character building within a singular episode. There's really only so much time to tell this very concrete, very complex, morally ambiguous story in each of your episodes. And I was interested if there are any challenges that come with that, even with just the added fact of having scenes at the beginning where we don't know what the court trial is about, who, you know, why someone's being accused of something yet, and even just figuring out how much information to give the audience at the beginning of each episode as well. I can only imagine how difficult it must be uh, uh, for uh, the editors and uh, oh my gosh. directors uh, like Marley uh, uh, to uh, have that brief period of time uh, uh, to basically tell uh, the great stories in the, in the form of uh, Roshiman, which is the famous uh, Kurosawa film. Oh, I'm getting into weeds. Go there. Perspectives, you know, it's called the Rosamond effect. Um, uh, But it just shows you what's so creative about accused. Um, On every level, there's so much inventiveness happening of how to tell the story. Uh, As Marley was saying um, about her directions, it's, it's a visual medium, and she got to. Uh, to explore what that POV would be for, I think the character's name was Anna, uh, and what that perspective is for her. And the reason we engage in drama uh, and turn on the television is to put ourselves into the shoes of the characters and to say, there but by the grace of God go I, is where we reflect on our human condition as told through the story or through the eyes of someone who's completely different from us. 
And the more specific you are, I always say this, the more universal it becomes. I'm not this uh, uh, hearing impaired young woman, but I completely identified with her, right? Uh, as, as Marilyn was saying in, in her episode, to man, it's that that's the real dilemma. It's like vengeance, you know, and and uh, the dilemma of uh, a woman who speaks out and a woman who has held it in for so long. And um, oh, we can all identify with that. And we have to tell those stories, especially in a time where if a woman doesn't say anything, she is accused, the victims are accused so readily when they try to speak out and to change that. That's the reason we turn on television again, to have an impact on society where we decide what our values are and go out and change them, as I always say. And hopefully seeing a story like hers will say, never call into question a victim again, right? Have you available to stand up and speak? And then someone may be quiet. All of those elements in that short amount of time with so many variables to tell it, and I think the multitude of the variables, the acting, the writing, the direction, the engagement of the conflict, so many more people are going to be affected because one of those variables is going to touch somebody, whether it's a shot, whether it's a line, whether it's a look, whether it's the words that were spoken. Somewhere along the line, the multitude of variables will affect multitudes of people. I, one scene in particular, which took place in the courtroom, being that I'm an actor, and certainly that helped a great deal in trying to inform me about how the actors would be working in this scene, I took advantage of the fact to be able to watch them as opposed to act opposite them. As a director, I got to observe each and every process that they went through in each and every take, understanding though that I had time constraints knowing that I wanted to take advantage of all the limited time that I had to be able to give the actors the opportunity to do whatever they felt was right for the scene or whatever, you know, to, to reject what was wrong for the scene for them to do. But Wendell, you're right. When I experience as a deaf woman something, I use that to inform what Ava decided to do in a scene. Uh, and again, Going back to one scene, I would watch in the courtroom with an eye of watching the father of the deaf baby, watching how he reacts, Aaron Ashford, watching with, this, with the shot that I chose. And to immediately, what happened was is that I began to cry. I, I actually bawled because I understood exactly where it was coming from because it was an experience that I had growing up as a deaf person with hearing parents. So it was an amazing moment where I actually lost it. And I knew then, and as you said, Wendell, the audience will find something at some point to identify with. Um, you know, the sexual assault episode, you know, as a person who has experienced something like that. I, I, again, what's wonderful about TV is that you can tell stories that can reach so many people on so many different levels 
played by wonderful actors, written by wonderful writers, and directed by wonderful directors. There you go. <laughs> and how about for you, Mary? It was the whole package. Oh, sorry. <laughs> how about for you, Mary Lynn, in terms of just the, the challenges or aspects at play in terms of having to build so much complexity and, and so much into a character with, within just a singular episode? I was thinking back to Marley saying that she made um, three different shot lists <laughs> drafts and then threw them all away. I love that so much. And what a crazy challenging show to be a part of for your first, that was your first time directing uh, because yeah, as, as listening to you both talking, the episodes are so complex. And I remember speaking to Howard Gordon because he's my old boss on 24, but just, just even having a two minute conversation with him as he was going through these, because each one is like a feature film and, you know, for better or for worse, we do live in this visual world and that is not stopping anytime soon. And, and we've got all these shows now where it's like, uh, you know, based on an actual crime, right? And then you've got the documentary and then you've got the narrative and then sometimes a second competing narrative with that. And I think this show is just, uh, an amalgamation of all of that, where it's where it it it's almost like we know we've got to give you all this information to keep your attention in this landscape, but it also is, um, yeah, to make those different choices throughout the edit and throughout the story of how to show it and what not to show, and to have integrity, but also to have that you know I got to see what happens next, like. That's a really hard line to be walking, right? That's a real tightrope of, I think that's it, is like the integrity versus, uh, you know, these salacious heart-pounding details. And that takes such skill on, on, on all the levels to uh, make this come together. You know, this, now this may be really going down into weeds, but when, uh, when The Three Sisters was first done, Chekhov play, in Moscow, there was an expression that said, uh, that went around town, it was so popular, they said, let's go see how the sisters are doing. And it implies that before the curtain rose, there was life, that they were living this life. And after the curtain came down and the play was over, after the, the play was over, um, there was life, uh, that the lives of the, the characters went on. And that's what I really get from the sense of all of these episodes. Uh, friends have approached me and said, wait, are they gonna do a follow-up? I gotta know what happens, right? right? What happened to her? What happened to him? You know, it's, um, it, it's this moment in time that's so complex, that sparks so much interest and, um, and people want to know what happens to the people after this major event in their lives, which uh, that's what I liked about this being an anthology uh, series as well. They all want to know what happened, what happens next? And, yeah. Uh, with everything, which is great. It's almost like there could be spin-offs on all these different characters, you know, points of view. 
I like that. I like that idea. I like the idea too that, and in, I, I'm warning you that if for me uh, as a director, thinking about an episode never leaving me until I wrapped, meaning that all, all, it's all in my dreams when I'm sleeping, when I'm working, I'm still shooting in my dreams. I'm actually thinking about the characters. I'm thinking about every single aspect in my dream. And it's, it's, I mean, I appreciated it at the same time. I thought, well, wait a minute. Is this, I, I want a nice, happy sleeping experience. And so it's, it's, it, it's happened to me, but yeah, certainly it really is. Um, it's really that experience for me. I mean, I, I love that sentiment. I would absolutely watch follow-ups on on all three of your episodes and, and each of your characters. Um, so thank you so much for talking about the experience of making this show. It's such a wonderful anthology series and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is very inspiring. Thanks everyone. Love everyone. Thank you.